is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host for this week's show, Phil Malloy. I'm joined by Jake Woolhead. Welcome back after your hiatus last week. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. Took a little week off, a little rest and relaxation, so I'm ready to go. And Dara has handed off the reins to me this week because we're going to be focused on the Washington Commanders. We're going to be speaking to Mark Tyler a little bit later on the show from Hogs Haven. That's very exciting. We can't wait for that. Unfortunately, we are going to start the show today with very, very sad news. Former Washington quarterback Dwayne Haskins, it was announced, was found dead this week, hit by a truck as he crossed the intersection. Obviously, he's a former Washington player, so I have a lot of experience seeing him. Jake, you also, as a as a Giants fan, have seen him. Very, very sad, very young man, only 24 years of age. He came into the league as a very young quarterback. He was entering, I believe, his fourth season, two seasons with Washington, uh, and then last season he spent time with the Steelers. Steelers had moved on from Ben Roethlisberger. They did sign... Uh, Mitchell Trubisky so by all accounts it was a, a pretty open quarterback battle that was going to be going on this season uh, I don't think Trubisky was by any way stretched the starting quarterback so really difficult for the Steelers organization really difficult for the fans we don't like to see anyone passing away never mind active players that are so young and so rarely it's a quarterback as well so so well known around the league yeah, it's, it's it's really tough to go through. It must be tough for a lot of his friends. I've seen a lot of uh, former teammates on um, his old college team and current teammates and stuff like that tweeting out some really lovely messages about him and stories about their time together. Um, I can't remember the player now. It was one of his wide receivers said they always had planned to take a trip together. So, you know, stuff like that hits you. Like, you do forget sometimes that the NFL's it's a business, but you forget the personal side of things. So um, it's nice to see all the lovely messages coming in about Dwayne Haskins. And we're all very sad uh, to see him go. I mean, he probably had a legitimate chance with the Steelers this year to be the starting quarterback. Um, I don't know what else you can really say about it. It's just um, took us all by shock, really. It's just not a way you want anyone to, to go. Yeah, uh, I think for me, being the youngest guy on the show and still three years older than Dwayne Haskins was when he passed away. That's that's a surprising thing for me. Really unfortunate. Obviously, we won't go into too much detail. It's been it's been well documented. He struggled with Washington, moved on, didn't get much playing time for the Steelers last season. But as we mentioned at the top, he had a good chance to, to fight for that starting role. He was down in Florida working out with some of the other quarterbacks and wide receivers. So he was putting in the time, such a young guy, starting to get a hold, I think, of his of his personal life and and really work on becoming a pro. So we won't stay there much longer. We just it's the big news around the NFL. It's a it's a slow season for news. So we thought we better we better comment on that. Uh, and we're going to leave it there. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers with his family and and all those affected. Uh, it's a difficult transition to go from from such sour news, uh, but we'll do our best. Jake, I wanted to talk a little bit something more lighthearted. I noticed. Over the course of the weekend or just before the weekend, the Eagles announced that they signed an Olympic hurdler to a three-year deal to play wide receiver for them. Now, it's not as crazy as it sounds. He did play uh, He did play wide receiver in college, so it's not like it's a full-time <laughs> track athlete that just made the switch. But it got me thinking, if we remove the big physical sports like uh, rugby and obviously basketball, well-known for the transition 
uh, for some basketball players, especially into tight end. And I also want to get rid of, I also want to extrude track stars because obviously the speed is dangerous. Jake, I want to know, what do you think is the best sport to transition over into American football? Oh, it's a tough one though, isn't it? Like um, when I first, when you wrote that into the group that they signed a hurdler, I misread it and I said, thought I had seen a hurler, which a lot of, if you're Irish, you obviously know what a hurler is. But uh, if you're not, a, hur- a hurler is, a, it's an Irish sport, sport, hurley, and you play with a stick. It's almost very similar to um, lacrosse, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. But it's a very high intense sport. And I was thinking, what hurler gets a shot in the NFL, especially a three-year deal like um like this guy here, uh, obviously, yeah, going from hurdling to wide receiver is probably the easiest transition. Maybe cornerback, probably in a similar, um, similar spot as well. So, especially if he has a bit of college ball experience. So, I mean, three year deal is a bit long for someone who doesn't really have that much experience. So, fair play to him. Um, what, what's a good sport? I guess ice hockey. I feel like ice hockey would give you some maybe hard hitter linebackers, maybe a running back or two. You know, because they're always big, tough, burly men. They're not afraid of getting into that contact. Kind of the same same as rugby, I guess, but on ice skates. So you'd have to see what they're like with a pair of football boots on them. Um, and then obviously over here, we have a couple of guy players that have made mm-hmm. it uh, as kickers, not really uh, in the bigger aspect of the game, but still nice to see players get over there. Uh, I don't know what else. I think it's hard to pick because each sport kind of gives its own little tidbit or a little bit of uh, an advantage over others. So. I don't know. I guess I'm going to go ice hockey here, Fionn. I think I'm going to go I'm going to go way outside the box here. And I was thinking, my brain straight away went, I'm going to go to the to the Winter Olympics. And I think, <laughs> I go, bear with me here. Bobsled. I'm going to go for luge. And it's a, it's a little bit of a cheat, right? Because a lot of luge are straight up sprinters because you need that like full sprint at the start. And the reason I went for luge and not skeleton is, skeleton's obviously head first if I'm if I'm understanding correctly. So we know the NFL, we don't want to lead with the helmet anymore. No leading with the head. So we're going to go for the luge. Rough old sport. <laughs> like that body takes a pound. And as it goes down the, as it goes down the track, I was like, Hey, maybe these guys, they've got a bit of speed, take a bit of physicality. Maybe someone you wouldn't expect. You might get them on a nice cheap contract. Maybe a one year. What position would they play then? I mean, safety, I think coming downhill. Uh, that's a fair Maybe one. Smack yeah. down, use that speed yeah. a little bit. I mean, you gotta, you're gonna have to train them up in the run game. I think that's gonna be a bit daunting, sticking your body yeah. in the air ball. But a free you know, safety if, with, with good instincts, I'm sure you could just be around the ball a lot to break up passes and stuff like that. I mean, if you, if your running back is against their free safety, something's horrendously gone wrong anyway. So it uh, wouldn't be 100% his fault if it went past him. Here's yeah, another I mean, one, though, that I just it. thought of sumo wrestling, Ooh. defensive tackles, offensive line. Just go anywhere on the line, really. And even the smaller sumo wrestlers, you could probably hit them in at linebacker, middle linebacker or something like that. Like mm-hmm. if they you'd obviously you have to assume they have football knowledge because you're not just plugging and playing <laughs> a loser or a sumo wrestler straight into a, an NFL match <laughs> and hoping for the best. So you're hoping they know plays and they know a little bit of instincts. But if these players or these dudes are at the top of their kind of their sport, they're probably just a general athlete and, and general athletes just tend to be good at thing, things like that yeah yeah sumo's a great show i've seen a documentary and like i think we get an impression that they just kind of eat loads and they become just the heaviest you can be but 
man, those guys are power lifters underneath all that yeah. fat. So they've yeah. got some serious power. I think that's a great shout. But uh, I tell you, yeah. I wouldn't want to be trying to up the center, trying to block a, a sumo wrestling defensive tackle. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, you could argue that's exactly what Vince Wilfork was all those years as big nose yeah. tackle sumo wrestler. <laughs> But anyway, you know it's a slow news week when we're talking about sports that aren't even American football. Um, something that wasn't on our agenda but just popped into my head there. Uh, obviously, um, Calais Campbell got re-signed for a two-year deal. I think that's a pretty good deal. He's getting up there in age, but he was pretty productive last season. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's still a household name, if you will. Um, probably a lot better than a lot of other depth signings that you get um, at this time of the season. So, yeah, two-year deal is probably what I would think is probably ideal for him. I imagine a lot of it's uh, uploaded, so he gets a lot of it in the front, and they can offload him at the end of this year for very little money if they want to. And then if not, they can still have him for two years. So I imagine the play drop-off after two years, he probably just it won't be worth it then after that. So get two years out of him. And then if he does still perform high high level at the end of it, we could probably re-sign him again. Yeah, I think I think like you said, it's he's getting up there in age. You don't really want to give him those big huge contracts. I think I think two years is pretty generous. Maybe maybe that was his insistence. He didn't want to re-sign a, a contract other than that. Um, beyond that, I, there's not a whole lot of say, news. Sorry, Phil. I would say like I, we haven't looked at the the contract, so I imagine I, I would say that it is one of them easy out after after one year type deals. A lot of guaranteed money in the first year, and then maybe not so much the second year. Yeah. Uh, so looking through some of the other stuff, kind of things we knew, kind of a lot of XFL news coming out about how the system's going to be working. They obviously announced when they when they brought it back that it was going to be aiming to be much more of a feeder league to the NFL than maybe the, what was the, the AFL? What was the, what the was AFL, the, the XFL, the USFL, the USFL uh, yeah. all the different leagues, the summer leagues, the spring leagues, all them mad stuff that never take off. So obviously they've announced Dean Blandino is going to be some of their, the lead on the rules innovation. Uh, I did hear actually that they're going to use chips in the ball for first downs, which is, uh, not a new idea, but the struggle that they've had before is that the accuracy isn't exactly 100%. So it'll be interesting to see how effective that will be. Is there any other rule changes you think might be good to look at, seeing as they have this opportunity? I know it's a little yeah, bit off I mean, the top of your head. But... Yeah, let's say um, like an onside kick rule could be changed. A lot of people don't like the fact that it's such a low percentage score, but you don't want to make it so that you can do it every time. So... I think, was it the AFL had it where you could take a fourth and 20 or something like that mm-hmm. and see if you can convert that? And if so, that would be great. If not, like things like that, the two points, you could probably adjust that a little bit more. Obviously, the overtime. Um, I think the AFL had the Sky Judge, which mm-hmm. I thought was good, and you could hear everything that the refs were saying. And I I, I really like that, but I don't think the NFL is going to bite on that one. But I, no. I am a huge fan of the fact that they're not just going to be another football league. They're kind of setting themselves up to be the feeder league, which is what yeah. the NFL has been missing for all this time because obviously the college, that's the real feeder league. That's where everybody's coming from. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of players that don't get it, and then they have to either move to Canada or whatever. But this is going to give you a test out, experiment on the new rule changes, give the players a different show, you know, get more footage on them for people that haven't got it. So I'm a huge fan of this. It kind of gives me hope that this is one league that will actually stick around this time. Mm-hmm. Do you think, Jake, I'm just thinking of a way where 
we can kind of improve. I don't know. It might be difficult, but maybe at some point set up a secondary draft to kind of really clear out that that second level. I don't know what percentage of college ball players get to play in the NFL, but even if you double that in the second in that second tier of the XFL, that gives a whole lot of guys a lot of chance and gives them a chance to play against the level that maybe some of the the top guys on big D1 schools say like Ole Miss where they don't always play the best competition. Like now you've condensed, you've you've brought up the talent level significantly and you can really evaluate. But I, I, I know it does affect a lot of these free agent signings, but it's a careful balance about you want to I get think... all the free agents signed onto the NFL and everyone left and brought into the XFL, which is a tricky thing to do. Yeah, I think what, um, what happened in the other league, the AFL, was that they would have, um, you can see they draft um after obviously and then the players that don't get they sign up with the teams but there is a clause in like almost all the contracts well if they like they're still in a udfa for the nfl so they can leave no hard hard feelings they can go to the nfl because you wouldn't attract anybody otherwise really mm-hmm. so you'd have to have this allow them to go to the big leagues um at any time if they want to so i'd say that's what you pr- probably will end up doing they'll have the people that are drafted into the nfl and then they'll have their own draft and say uh, if you want to join us in the second league, you're more than welcome to come down. Because what else are you going to do? You really are stuck for go to Canada. Like a lot of players probably don't want to move to Canada. The rules are a little bit different. I don't know how much that affects them. Um, and money-wise, I'm sure that the, the, the league probably pays similar, I'd say. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, the way I see it, and I don't know if it's possible to happen because the owners are going to have to fork out a lot of money, but... Uh, something similar a little bit to the baseball situation where you kind of have a, a farm system and bring bring players up and you're affiliated with another with another team. I think they tried to do it as well with the European uh, League way back in the day with the NFL International, but that it didn't really work out. But to me, that's the, that's the really the only way because we've seen those prior leagues that try to set up their own league it's difficult to pay the players. It's difficult then to also get that true second tier of players because nobody believes that they're going to make that jump. Do you know what I mean? It's difficult com- to convince yeah. them. No, no, no. Sign with us. You'll have a lot of eyes on you. It's better. Trust me. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's difficult. And maybe the financial demands of that aren't, aren't realistic to kind of get that link truly between the NFL yeah. and the XFL. I don't know. Has there been any news on them, um, like, kind of linking them together No, Like, as in financially linked together no. or anything like that? Not no, teams be... specifically, but is the NFL kind of financing part of it or anything? No, there, there is. Uh, it says that the NFL Alumni Academy is going to be involved in developing players. I don't know fully what that means. We'll investigate that, maybe give it a little further update next on next week's show. But it does sound like there's good links, but again good links and the actual proper system are, are two different things and like we're only seeing the news kind of trickle out now when does this when does this league start it's supposed to start pretty soon 2023 i don't think oh, it's 2023 yeah okay, yeah that makes sense. i think it was announced this year and then they have the you know the setup they'll probably do the draft yeah later on after their, like the normal nfl draft but it's bigger names this time around the rock is in it and you know there's this big financing group and stuff around behind it and there's much more chatter about it being the feeder league as opposed mm-hmm. to the previous kind of uh, summer leagues so 
who knows this could be the one that takes off i think the afl is i don't know if that's fully done but there's also the usfl is back next next year as well or the year after i believe well that's pretty much all we have there's a little bit of breaking news that we don't have a lot of detail on at the moment it says congress say that the commanders have broken financial laws uh, did you read the regards. athletic article no yeah uh, i'm just reading this on espn so maybe they're taking some of the some of the information from the from the athletic but yeah it seems to me that there really is some money issues going on in the in the washington commanders and that's a bad sign uh unfortunately we did speak to mark tyler earlier in the week so in the segment we won't we won't get a chance to bring it up but his talk we do talk a little bit about whether or not uh, Dan Snyder needs to go and the, the sentiment that the fans, which is pretty clear at the moment, I think it's been really negative towards Dan Schneider for, for a lot of years now. But uh, we'll, as I, as I mentioned, we'll be talking to Mark Tyler a little bit later. So we do go around the, the that kind of situation, but this news has just recently broken. So uh, we won't unfortunately be able to bring it up. But Jake, it's been a, a slow news week. So that's pretty much all we have here. Uh, I would like to say after the break, we are speaking, of course, with Mike Mark Taylor from the uh, Hogs Haven Writers uh, website. Uh, they are affiliate. Um, sorry, yes, from the, the on their website, and we'll be talking to him all things Washington Commanders. Uh, unfortunately, as I mentioned, that was recorded earlier in the week before the news about Dwayne Haskins broke. So. That won't be discussed in the meeting. Jake, we're losing you. We're going to have Dara in for the next interview. So I'd like to thank you very much for your time today. Anytime. I love love coming on and chatting shit. And we'll see everybody after the break when we talk to Mark Tyler. And welcome back to the Under Center podcast. We are joined now by Mark Tyler, the head content creator at Hogs Haven. That's the Washington Commanders SB Nations website. Mark, thanks a million for joining us. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Excited to talk about the Commanders. We might even get a bit of uh, Seahawks slander in there somewhere if we can, for Dara's sake. Uh, I suppose we'll just jump right in. Uh, how have you adjusted to the new name? I have to be honest, sometimes I still call them Washington just to be just to be safe and make sure I use the, the right team name. Have you adjusted well to the new Commanders title? So as best as can be expected at this, at this point, I kind of prepared myself for it. You know, I uh, had some uh, behind the scenes uh, talk about it being the commander. So I, I was prepared for a little while to have that name be uh, the one that was selected. It's, it's going to be Washington for me for a little while until we get used to everything. And all the fans are talking about not having a, a moniker, not having an abbreviation for this team. So it's going to be a little tough. I'll just go Washington for the time being, and I think we'll be safe. But uh, once we start winning, I think everyone's going to forget about this name and, and just kind of look at the field. So, I mean, that's that's what everyone says. The team names are the team names. It's when you start winning, all the fans forget about all that, and it's just a product on the football pitch then after that. Well, um, the funny thing is, we were joking around the other day with a couple of different people on Twitter and Hogs Haven that um, how many teams that we have named after, you know, meat packers and, and color socks? I know, league, you know, but listen, if the Red Sox are winning championships and if the Packers are getting to the AFC or NFC title game, no one really cares. This is it. A little bit of time. I mean, hell, there's a team called the Dolphins. If you really step back and look at all the team names, there's some dodgy ones out there. I don't think Commanders is is the most dodgy one, I have to say. But being from this side of the pond, we were kind of fond of having no 
no moniker. That's kind of how we roll over here with the with the soccer teams and stuff. So it was kind of normal for us, to be honest. Nice. Unfortunately, we're going to start off where I think you kind of have to start off anytime you're talking about the commanders in the last couple of months. Controversy follows this team everywhere it goes. At the moment, team owner Dan Schneider is in big, big hot water uh, with not just the league, but also now with the federal government over there in the States. Uh, how has that been received over there in general? I know fans are not a big fan of Dan Snyder already, and now with issues about money starting to come out and, and withholding up to 40% of away team's revenues, how bad do you think this is for Dan Snyder? Well, we thought the allegations that came out a couple months ago were going to be what put him under. You know, Now you're just piling on top with more and more things. I mean, there's... There's obviously people that want him out of the NFL. He's not really liked by the other owners, you know, from what we've heard. He's despised by our fan base. Um, most of the other fan bases around the NFL, um, you know, mock and point to him as the worst owner in the league. So at one point, I think we were the number two franchise in all of the NFL when it came to revenue and, and how much we were um, – estimated to be worth by Forbes and I think now we were down to six and that was only five or six years so you know people see that they, they look at the on-field product they point the finger directly at Dan and I, I can't think of anywhere else to point it to tell you the truth yeah so it, yeah things, things are not good um, and and I think if you took a poll I, I would say 90 percent probably higher of fans for this this football team want him gone yeah, certainly. I think he didn't even ingratiate himself again by switching kind of titles, if that makes sense. And he put his sister in charge of the day-to-day -day team operations. But I don't think that really fooled any of the fans, to be honest. I think they're, they're no, have, I mean, listen, having, having Tanya there, you know, and, and, and listen, is she running the show? Probably not. You know, he's pulling the strings behind the scene. But, uh, you know, if he's trying to deflect some of that negative imagery out on his wife, I don't, I don't think that's a good look either. But, um, you know, time will tell. I, I think the NFL is getting sick of the shenanigans. So if, if that can get him out of the office and, and, and we can move on with a better owner, I think we'll all be better for it. Yeah, Mac, and I want to ask actually about um, kind of elaborate on the owner a bit because Ron Rivera had – said when he first came in that he wanted to change the culture of Washington football and you know how much can like how much would he be able to change while Dan Snyder is still in charge won't the culture not change until a new owner is brought in yeah I think you hit on the last part I don't think the culture is going to change until you 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 know you got to cut the snake off at the head so I think that's what we really have to do to get the the full culture change here I mean, Ron's done some good things. He's brought in some high-character guys, brought some guys around him that are well-respected in the league, that they know him, he knows them, uh, the trust issues there. The biggest thing that I have seen, and we used to see this when Bruce Allen was there, is information used to leak like a sieve out of Ashburn. You don't hear anything anymore when it comes to players, when it comes to visits, when it comes to, you know, this team's looking at blank player. Um, so things are rather tight lipped. And I think that's one of the things that Ron's done in his first two years is he's taken that locker room. He's taken that front office and he said, Hey, let's keep internal stuff internal. That's our business and no one else's. Yeah. And I think they have done pretty well of doing as much restructuring as they can outside of 
getting rid of Dan Schneider. Have you heard any rumours of who might actually be interested in buying this football team? The Denver Broncos are also rumoured to be coming up for sale soon enough. I've heard, now, it's a it's a deep shot, but I've heard the likes of Jeff Bezos and, and names like that being kind of bandied around. Now, how serious that is, I'm not so sure. He's the one that pops up the most. I mean, obviously, he has some ties to the D.C. area, so um, owning one of the local papers there, that's that's big for him. Moving some of the headquarters into D.C. and that surrounding area is another thing. So people are looking at that. You know, he has the money. He has the, the power, the influence to be able to take over ownership of that team. But, you know, Dan has to be forced out first. So it's not just going to happen. He's not going to say, oh, here, by the way, I'll sell you this for, you know, $2 billion. It's, it's not going to be that easy. Um, yeah, Denver, I think there was a couple of pitches made already to uh, purchase the Broncos from a couple of different groups. I'm not sure who's heading that one up, but um, I haven't been following it as closely, but it'll be interesting to watch. And, um, you know, I'm sure every fan base wants an owner who is active in the community, but is quiet on the football operation side. So hopefully Denver gets their guy there and that would be what we would love to get eventually. Yeah. And Mark, I want to sort of move on away from ownership and sort of look at the off season the team has had. And we'll get into the current quarterback, Carson Wentz, in a, in a second. But um, there were rumors before Russell Wilson was traded to the Broncos that Washington made a big play to try and acquire him from the Seahawks. Um, actually, some have said that the, uh, the offer of picks was actually better than... Uh, the Broncos and that it was actually Wilson's no trade clause that actually stopped the deal from happening. But one thing that I heard as well was that um, Chase Young was a player uh, talked about as well going in the opposite way. Like how serious to your knowledge were the talks here and and was there any sort of realistic possibility that um, Wilson could have gone to uh, to the commanders? I think we were actively involved in that market. I mean, they came out and said at the end of the season and actually during um, before the combine that they were exploring every option at quarterback. So that included Russell Wilson. I'm assuming they probably had preliminary talks about Watson, knowing that he was on the trade block. But with the culture thing we just talked about, probably wasn't a good fit here. Um, I'm assuming Derek Carr, because I heard his name popped up a handful of times. So I'm assuming he was uh, involved in those talks. But I guess Wilson got pretty far um, and ultimately he was able to choose where he wanted to go. So he wanted to go to a playoff contender. Um, I think the Seahawks probably were more in favor of trading him to the AFC. So things worked out there. Um, Being that he has roots tied to the area, some of us were thinking, oh, maybe this will be able to pull him back home and we can sell him on this opportunity. But I think if you look at the dysfunction that's going on within the team, You're a future Hall of Fame quarterback who has had tremendous success. I think that he only had one losing season in his time in the NFL. You're going to be able to call your shots. And if I'm Russell Wilson from the outside looking in, do I want to go to D.C. where, you know, we do have an offense that was a little bit limited. Obviously, quarterback was the biggest reason why. But I have a defense in place, but I have limited playmakers right now. I have a coach who, I don't know, he's not the most innovative guy in the world. And I have an owner who I don't trust. So I think when you look at all the pieces of the puzzle, we tried our best to, to land Wilson, just like we did last year with Matt Stafford. It wasn't meant to be, so we moved on to plan B. Yeah. Uh, the quarterback that we did manage to land, of course, is Carson Wentz. We've seen, obviously, as Commanders fans, we've seen the best of them and the worst of them 
in his time at the Eagles and then obviously hasn't particularly got much better with the Colts. But we're hoping that he can he can get back to kind of his near MVP level play that he had with the Eagles back in the day. What's the overall consensus on this pick? I, In my opinion, I think he's probably better than any of the draft quarterbacks that are available this year in terms of what was available. Maybe not the best quarterback that was on the trade block as you as you spoke about two seconds ago, but I, I think it's probably a good a good value for what was out there compared to what we could have got. Yeah, so this was kind of funny. This is going back um, a couple, it was right after the first of the year and I was uh, on the way back from work and I was in the car for quite a while doing some traveling and I always listen to Sirius XM radio and love Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller. So I've jumped on their show a handful of times. So um, we were talking quarterbacks and obviously I called in and said, hey, I want to talk about commanders. So they put me on with Pat and Jim and one of the first things out of my mouth was Carson Wentz. I said, what do you think? And Pat was like, hmm, you know, he kind of took that big pause and he's a very analytical, calculated guy. Everything he says, he always thinks about. And he's like, I don't know if I like that for you guys. He goes, what do you think about that? So I gave him my little diatribe of why I think Carson Wentz would be a good fit here. And I believe uh, maybe a week or so after I actually posted on Twitter, we were talking a conversation with a bunch of different individuals about quarterbacks. And I posted on Twitter that um, A, I didn't think he was going to be released. I thought it wouldn't be via trade because I heard there was two other teams very interested in acquiring him. And I posted um, what I thought would be required to get him. And it actually turned out to be spot on um, what I posted in the picks and what we got for him a month and a half later. So um, I wasn't surprised by that. I know that they were interested in Carson last year when the Eagles traded him off to Indianapolis. And I know we had got involved. They didn't want to trade him within the division, which made a lot of sense. But I know we sniffed around there very, very heavily because I have a lot of friends that are kind of tied in and connected with the Eagles. So I was told that Washington was very, very interested in once last year. So it didn't surprise me at all. Now, having said that, I think he's a, ma- a massive upgrade to Taylor Heineke. You're talking about a guy who is athletic. He has the arm. I mean, he's probably got a top eight arm in the NFL. I mean, he can sling it 65, 70 yards with a flick of a wrist. He loves pressing the ball deep down the field. His biggest uh, detractors will say that he does not take the easy play when it's there for them. They say he often tries to press the ball too far. But how many times have we seen quarterbacks in D.C. who do the exact opposite? Mm-hmm. You know, Alex Smith drove me up a wall with, you know, these little check downs. I can still remember John Beck checking down to, I think it was Roy Hallou in the one game where Hallou maybe caught like 14 passes and they were all for about three yards. So listen, we have deep receivers. We have Brown, who's a speedster. Terry's a speedster. Curtis can get downfield if he needs to. We need to be able to stretch that field. And I think Carson gives us a great chance to do so. I, th- I think so too. It's definitely a dynamic we haven't had. And I, like you said, it's that double-edged sword of, it is something we the commanders had not done for probably the last three, four seasons is really try and push the ball aggressively down the field. I remember even Dwayne Haskins when he got in and he, he famously got the, the call from Ron Rivera, let's go for it. And he checked it down to a to a check down and it went for like three yards at the end of mm-hmm. a half and just throw it up there and he wouldn't do it. So it is interesting. Of course, we've seen every so often the gunslingers get a little bit of a big head and they like to kind of gunsling it every time as opposed to pick and choose their moments. So we'll have to wait and see. But you mentioned the top talent that he has around him. McLaurin, certainly. And I think that there's some other guys like Brown is is going to have to 
ramp up his production a little bit, but I think he'll get more of an option now with Wentz at quarterback. McLaren's in his last year of his contract. We've just seen Diggs go and sign a huge contract. Is it time for Washington to really nail down this this wide receiver for the next four, five, six years, even if he's willing to do it? So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think every fan, every coach on that staff wants to retain Terry. I mean, not only what he does on the field, but what he does off the field. He's just a hard worker. He exemplifies everything that Ron wants in a football player. So um, the one thing about Terry is he came into the league a little bit older than some of these receivers that you see coming in as traditional rookies. So he's going to be he's 27 this year. I'm thinking a three or four year extension, taking him into his very early thirties, you know, see how he plays on that. But um, the Christian Kirk deal blew the wide receiving market out of the water. It was absolutely absurd that a guy with that type of, I mean, listen, nothing against Kirk, but he wasn't a top receiver. Didn't never hit a, a thousand yards receiving. I don't think he came close to it. And, um, you know, you're paying him $20 million AAY, you know, with incentives and bonuses. So Terry's going to get, his he's going to get 20 plus probably people are saying 21 22 would be the area unless he takes a team discount which i don't see happening because the taxes Mm -hmm. in dc are too high um but yeah we got to do whatever we need to do to get him and keep him in the fold um obviously landon collins has money coming off the books coming up in uh, june 1st so i think we're going to see that that negotiation heat up in the summertime and if i had to take a guess i'm about 70 percent positive that we'll see a McLaurin deal before the season starts. Mm -hmm. We were discussing the Diggs uh, scenario there on the show last week. uh, And we kind of, me and Dara came to the conclusion that, yes, it's it's a decent amount of money. Like you said, Kirk kind of reset the market a little bit. uh, But I think in terms of the talent of both Diggs, and I think it's fair to say McLaurin as well, if you pay them now by the end of that contract, it's still 20 odd million a year is going to be pretty good value for those guys. If they can keep up the kind of production they've had over the last couple of seasons. Oh, 100%. And we've been discussing draft options a lot lately and, and kind of just tying into that. I think it's very, very important that if you do go out and you give Terry McLaurin that big extension, you know, whether it's 20 to $22 million AAY, I think you really need to look at the draft and get a young guy in the wings because it could take a year or two for these guys to come into the NFL and really start to flourish, even if you're from a big program like Ohio State, Alabama. But that would make sense to me to go ahead and get that legit, either what you want to call him a 1B next to Terry, a legit number two. I mean, you can get a guy like London. You can get a guy like Wilson. They may have a higher pedigree than Terry. They could they become a legit number one. So – I think that's something that if you're going to extend Terry, you go into this draft saying it's a loaded class of wide receiver. I either sit there tight at 11. I take another receiver who compliments Terry, who can get deep, who can take coverage away from him. Or you move back in that draft. If one of the premier guys falls like Stingley, one of the offensive tackles, and then you go back into maybe like the teens or the early twenties, and you can still pick up a good receiver like Traylon Burks, uh, Chris Alave, there's a lot of guys in this draft that could really, really help this this anemic offense. Yeah, and Mark, you mentioned about the um, the draft coming up there. You, you of course, the commanders in pick eleven, and, and you're talking about the the sort of one B sort of wide receiver that that could help, you know, complementary. Um, 
I've seen a few mock drafts, and look, mock draft is just a, a nice way of saying we're guessing where people are going to pick, you know. That, um, but I've seen a few like going with um, with Washington going with uh, Kyle Hamilton, um, of course, the safety um, from yeah. Notre Dame there. Um, like you mentioned, Landon Collins was released as well in the offseason. So would that be a sort of disappointment for, for commanders fans if they do decide to stay there, if the wide receiver names that you mentioned were gone and to go ahead and pick Hamilton maybe uh, and not drop back? So very interesting question. We've been talking about this a lot the, the last couple of days. And actually we have one of our writers posted a, a, um, a article on Hamilton doing a draft profile of him on Hogs Haven. So if you guys want to pop over there to check it out. So my take on Hamilton, there's two different things that I look at. So, number one, I do not believe personally that he's a free safety in the NFL. I think he is a money backer. I think he's a hybrid player. He's a tight end eraser. He's a slot cover guy. He's a box player, situational blitzer. You're going to be asking for trouble if you look to play him and draft him as a single high free safety. He can be part of a tandem, but where he was most successful at Notre Dame is the intermediate part of the field and defending that area. So, your tight ends on vertical seams looking at playing a robber role um, when they roll coverage and drop him down and just have him rob that underneath route. Um, but that's where I think he can excel. So he's today's positionless player. He's a money backer. Here's my second problem with that. It's not a premium position. So you talk about what Washington has done in the last couple of drafts. We have spent first round picks on pain. We have, uh, well, even before pain, John Allen, then pain, then, um, you know, we're looking at, Davis last year. So we have spent a lot of non-premium positions on the defensive side of the football. We also took two guys in back-to-back years and young and sweat who what they are, what you consider premium positions in the NFL. So we did dump those positions, dump uh, resources into them. But you look at um, how many picks we've used on the defensive side of the football versus the offensive side. Now I'll give you guys a quick stat over the last three years, I think we averaged just over 18 points a game, and that was fourth worst in that same time span in the entire NFL. So there's a problem. There's a major, major problem. Now, a lot of it can be attributed to quarterback, but Carson Wentz is not Aaron Rodgers. He's not the type of guy that's going to put a team on his back and lead them. He needs help around him. He needs a solid running game. He needs receivers. He's always had, in Philly, he's always had that big tight end presence. So – if you ask me, Kyle Hamilton would be a miss by us for those two reasons alone. I think we need to load up on offensive firepower if we want to see Carson be successful here. Mark, really quickly before we move on uh, from the draft talk, uh, tight end, linebacker, do you think they're two targets later on in the draft for the commanders? Yeah, so, so this is where round two sets up really, really nice, and this is where it really hurts us not having a round three pick. So, if we ended up trading back and we can get that round three pick back, that could be linebacker tight end, whatever way you want to go. Because I think Trey McBride is a perfect pick at number 47. Just say, hypothetically, we land a guy like Garrett Wilson at 11. Then we take McBride at 47. That gives us two legitimate mismatch weapons to add to this offense. Now, if we could recoup that third round pick by trading back, maybe we get a Traylon Burks who's 6'3", 225, runs a 4'5", 540, can be a mismatch with the ball in his hands. Then you can go into round two and say, all right, hey, listen, I would love to grab a Mike linebacker. Uh, Chad Muma from Wyoming is a 
very intriguing pick at 6'3", 239 pounds. I think he ran a 4'6", 140, if I'm not mistaken. So the kid can move. Um, the Montana State linebacker, um, Anderson, very, very intriguing. You may have to pop into the second round because he's flying up draft boards, but I had him as a third-round guy. He was the quickest linebacker at the uh, combine, ran a 4.42 at over 240 pounds, stands 6'3". So I know they want that athletic linebacker in the middle, and if we could recoup that third-round pick, there you could see linebacker tight end, tight end linebacker go off the board. Well, last thing, because I, I know you need to go soon. We won't hold you too long. But one of the storylines that jumped out at me over the offseason is, once again, the commanders not being able to keep hold of top offensive line talent that we had. Brandon Sheriff went off to the Jaguars. We had tried to re-sign him several years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think that's disappointing that, once again, that, that really, really top offensive line talent got away? Or... Is that kind of just the way the budget works? Maybe he was asking a little bit too much money for this team and it was a kind of a cut your losses when you can and, and we'll try and build it up in the draft and, and kind of later in, in, the, in the season. Well, two, two different theories of thought on Sheriff. Number one is he, he hasn't stayed healthy for a couple of years. So you're looking at basically paying a guy. We offered him a contract the year before to make him the highest paid guard in the NFL. So I guess he turned that down. I think it was about the guaranteed money from what I heard. He wanted more guarantees and he wanted a shorter deal versus I think we offered him a four or five year and he wanted to sign a three-year deal because obviously if you move on to that third contract, then it's even bigger. Um, with Sheriff, I think we did the smart thing there with the franchise tag. I mean, that's the biggest thing when you look at first-round draft picks is because you get that, that fifth-year option. So you can have them under cheap team control for five years. Then you can use a tag if you need to one, once or twice. So we actually got good mileage out of Brandon. Um, it was a little disappointing he left. He was the first first team all pro we've had in years. So fans were complaining, hey, they always overlook us when it comes to all pro voting. We finally had Sheriff and we let him walk out the door. But when it comes right down to it, I think we had some guys that are capable of stepping in at the interior portion of that offensive line. I mean, getting Chase Roulier back, if you guys follow me on Twitter, I'm a huge Chase Roulier fan. I think he's one of the better centers in the league. So having him back anchoring that that offensive line down is going to be huge. I think Schweitzer can slide over and do a really nice job there at right guard. And then we, we just signed Norwell to a very team-friendly deal to play left guard, which is his natural position. You never know. There's always an option that once that Landon Collins dead money clears the cap in June 1st, who knows? Maybe they bring Eric Flowers back. Maybe they're just kind of waiting and sitting there until we get a little bit more money. But I think there's a lot of different areas we can go at interior offensive line. Um, I would definitely love to see us upgrade where we can. But to me, it's not a it's not a top need right now, even though we did lose what you consider probably our best line. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark, thank you very much for your time. Uh, before you go, anyone listening who wants to read up on some of your stuff and, and follow along, where can they find your work? Yeah, go over to Hogshaven, so www.hogshaven.com. Um, we have a great group of guys over there that write for us, and, uh, you know, we're all pretty active on Twitter as well. So, you know, follow, follow along in both, and uh, we always welcome new folks coming over to chat commanders. Well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. That is all we have time for on the show today. Please do follow us at our socials as well, at Undercenter Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can find us on YouTube, Under Center Podcast, also Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you want to get your podcasts, Under Center Podcast. Please do follow us. Dara, thank you very much for your time today. 
No problem, Bill. Thank you guys for Thank having me. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week.